What's up, everybody? Welcome to the What We Do Season 2 finale, episode number 16. I'm here with London, a founder of Bidstitch. Um, I wanted to bring you guys this podcast just to kind of give you a, a spot on on in a full interview of like what Bidstitch is, who it is, what they do, what they're here for, what it means to you. So without further ado, let's let's get into it. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, uh, Christian. Really Abs- appreciate it, dude. Absolutely. Um, you're our, you're our farthest calling guest. Uh, beating out all my hats are dead from Texas. You're out in California right now. Um, you got you got nice uh, sunlight behind you. I'm in the I'm in the dark over here. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> we're 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 blessed here with a little bit more sun, but yeah, it's uh, it's a little chilly out here. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's chilly in like 75. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so I wanted to start, my first question is a question that I asked our last season finale guest, and I'm going to guess you're going to give a very different answer than he did, but um, what is Bidstitch? Oh, yeah. So so Bidstitch is a subscription-based e-commerce platform specializing in vintage and secondhand goods. Uh, the differentiating factor between what we do and what others within the space does is rather than impose transaction fees on our users, we opt towards a flat membership fee uh, that enables sellers to sell as much as they want and make as much as they want. Launched about uh, four months ago, have about 1,300 uh, paying selling subscribers on platform, uh, generated uh, you know about $60,000 in on-transaction pl- on-platform transactions thus far. And uh, we bootstrapped this thing from the very beginning. And so now we are kind of in a position where we, uh, we've shown some proof of concept and uh, we're kind of moving full speed ahead. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of the short. Yeah, amazing. Um, so I, I, before we get, and I, I think we're gonna talk a lot about fees and, and that kind of thing, because watching what you guys do and looking into what you guys have said online, that seems to be the why of the, of the um, platform is is you know providing a better place for resellers to sell um, but before we get there I can you kind of take me back to like the beginning of this like where does this idea s- start like who is initially involved in creating Bidstitch? yeah so uh, origin story yeah damn <laughs> it's, kind of, it's cool doing these like types of having these discussions because when things are moving so fast you kind of forget to be reflective um, so this is a good exercise for me, I guess. Um, I spoke to Drew Heifetz a long, long time ago, probably about, you know, a year or so ago. And, you know, I, I mentioned the prospects of instilling some type of change within the space that I thought had grown really stale. Um, you know, I've been a reseller for about three years, went from um reselling sneakers and then kind of like i always had an affinity for band tees just generally mm-hmm. um and then i got into that and what i found was that the fees that i was paying on platforms like ebay or grailed or depop were kind of predatory when you're paying 15 to 20 percent transaction fees that's fees that you know, you come to associate with a loan shark rather than a service, right? And that didn't sit right with me. Additionally, I kind of saw, you know, how I saw there was something really special about the space. When users and when folks that are kind of enthusiasts about 
the types of things we're enthusiastic uh, we're enthusiastic about um you know there was just this like degree of passion um that was kind of abound within the reselling space and it felt new it felt fresh despite the fact that we're talking about old shit mm-hmm. it felt like something that was on the cusp of changing and um you know it was something that i wanted to be a part of to a higher degree and so drew and i kind of spoke about the idea of us you know taking things a step further with regards to how this community interacts with the platform we saw similar platforms kind of arising um you know like what we kind of noticed as a market trend was that these niche marketplaces were breaking off of like largely impersonal platforms like ebay Mm -hmm. and kind of like going in their own direction one of the models that we used was kind of hodinky which is like very uh they're they're in a different sector you know they're in like luxury watches but you know uh whatever the collectible may be it's those relationships and that engagement that matters most so you know just i guess long story short spoke to drew about it we kind of worked on how we were going to bring like to start this i was sort of in the early stages of development at that point um and then we just had to kind of work really quietly for the next like six months or so on it um and um and then we uh started uh you know started telling other folks about it yeah yeah i think i think what you said about um the sort of the platforms that exist aren't equipped for what the vintage reseller needs necessarily you know they are they are using ebay or or even instagram for its live auction function like those things aren't made for them and i think exactly i think the idea of in any emerging market like any new industry or whatever we'll use the tools at hand but at some point in order to keep growing in order to keep sustaining they're going to need like tools of their own so i think that that's a very smart you know, step to provide a place for them. My question is, and, and where this goes for fees, is with fees, sure, they can feel predatory Predatory when you are the one selling and getting a lot of money taken from you, but one could also make the case that the profit made from those predatory uh, fees is in some way being reinvested into growing the audience available for them to sell with. For instance, eBay, you know, sure, they make a lot of profit and take that with them and give that to the shareholders and stuff, but some of it gets reinvested into making the infrastructure that provides a platform like eBay to exist, and sellers can come on and have millions of people to sell to. So where does that kind of relationship lie of like, obviously, BidStitch is at a point where your guys are in a growing period right now, and you've said you've tested the proof of concept and you want to grow it to be much larger. But um, without fees, with subscriptions, is that going to be able to provide a large enough draw for resellers to make the the leap to BitStitch? Yeah, it's a super good point. I mean, um, I'm going to try to like tackle each. Yeah, I know, that's, like, a, I know that's a tough. It's, it's just like a sort of open-ended thing. But absolutely. Like, that's fine. I'll, I'll address it. That's cool. So, you know, what we're looking to do, what what we're looking to do in the future is we're completely aware of the fact that, you know, resellers have different needs and wants. Like we've got some users on our platform that have fucking 200 things listed. Mm-hmm. listed. We got some users that have two things listed. Sure. So we know that we need to personalize a business model that's made to benefit the individual use usage by, 
you know, our subscribers, right? Yeah. So one thing, I guess, oh, I, you know, we could talk about it now. So one of the things that we're going to be introducing with the app is the introdu- introduction of a new business model that's much more personalized. If you don't think that you, if you're selling sort of low volume, but high value items, then we'll lower that, uh, that, uh, that fee that you would be paying per month. Mm-hmm. We still haven't, we need more data to kind of make, take a data driven approach towards how we're going to be introducing that business model. But like, let's say it would be somewhere like two to $3 per month to sell X amount, mm-hmm. seven to $8 a month to sell X amount and $20 per month to sell X amount. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, the, there's, you know, it exists on a spectrum, I guess, um, to address another point that you made with regards to, you know, eBay investing, you know, those, those profits that they're making via fees back into the platform. I mean, that's not a problem. That's great. I mean, we were doing the exact same thing. No one on our team, Drew or myself included, have made one penny doing this. Every single penny that we received literally goes right back into development. Absolutely. Or into marketing, like what we're doing right now. And, uh, but that doesn't mean, but, you know, there, there's a, there's a fine line with, when, when it, with regards to, reinvesting profits but also realizing that you're somewhat of a necessity in the lives of a lot of these users and kind of imposing a business model that is much more parasitic i guess than really like having any sort of mutual symbiosis between the the seller and buyer you know i think like I think that there was a period during the pandemic, which I thought was just kind of crazy, where like all the major platforms kind of raised their fees like by about one to two percent. Didn't feel right with me. Didn't sit well with with Drew or I. And it just felt like, okay, well, we could bitch and complain about it as much as we, as much as we want, but we want to be the ones that try to effectuate change within a space that we think is kind of screwed up. So, I mean we just had the guts to kind of say, let's just try and go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, to, I guess to, to draw comparisons to where we right now are right now on YouTube, a lot of similar criticisms have been levied against YouTube where like, it's such a big platform with so many people that it kind of doesn't care about little things that happen where, whether it be like, you know, copyright infringement claims popping up on your videos or demonetization or stuff yeah. like that. It's the same thing with places like eBay where like, they have to provide like a homogenous one size fits all model of how you can sell. And I think it does make sense in the context of like vintage, which is very fluid and it's very different business model wise than like a traditional like a traditional brick and mortar store or any even a traditional online store. Um, it operates in different in different ways. And I think that has been clear for a long time, I think, with vintage, like a few years now that it hasn't worked. I mean, a lot of the complaints you hear from resellers are about, you know, people like, like a silly one that might happen is somebody sends something, something, and then they get it, it comes to them and they go, Oh, this is used or has a hole or a small stain on it. It's like, well, yeah, this is from a thrift store (laughs) from, and it's 20 years old. Like, you know what I mean? Like those are things that people might run into and like that kind of stuff. eBay is not equipped to explain. yeah, and there's no way in which, and you can't. Okay, then then you go to kind of like a conversation, just like whether they're responsible to sort of right, um, you know, to such a 
to like that niche marketplace and there that you know there's arguments on both sides of that like it's a big business entity and you're right like they have to come up with like something that everyone has like a base level of utility like mm-hmm. Uh, like a way in which they could interact with it. So you kind of just have to have the most vanilla product whatsoever yeah. just so that it satisfies the most basic needs and wants of all of their users. So, I mean, and you know, that's not a bad thing, Sure. but I think there should be an alternative, you know? Um, that being said, can you speak to some of the, some of the things that BidStitch is looking to implement that would make the experience better for resellers other than obviously the, the uh, taking away of the fees? Yeah, so in terms of feature set, what we're looking at, and I mean, we post on our Instagram a few times just kind of like asking folks, like, what kind of ideas do you have, uh, you know, once we launch our app? And, uh, you know, we just to kind of like rattle off a few, we've got a middleman service, we've heard uh, middleman service, we've heard an authentication service, we have heard uh, shipping label service. Uh, we've heard some people saying live stream early on and now people are like don't want live stream hmm. at all so that was something that we were toying with in the beginning and now we're kind of like not looking in that direction so much anymore sure um uh we've had and i don't know if this is like a small minority type thing that is just very vocal but like a lot of people wanting us to pivot more so in like the blockchain direction which i think is fucking sick mm-hmm. i think that's super cool um, and so, yeah, like that's just a couple of the feature set that, that we're looking at introducing with the app and that have been sort of, uh, you know, something that we've gotten as feedback from folks within the community, uh, with regards to just different service offerings we could provide. Do you have any diagnosis for why people don't want to see that live auction function anymore? Is it because of less live auctions or is it because Instagram is sufficient or... I think that it's a little bit of like user exhaustion. Okay. Um, op shop, whatnot. I could literally name like 10 right now have all raised a couple million dollars with the hopes of just battering the vintage space with <laughs> like promotions and how they could sell their shit on their live apps. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of these, like, I think it's just kind of just people have kind of gone a little bit. It's not stale. It's not at all. Yeah. For example, I think what Chris is doing is super special. I think he's really tapped into something great. But I think that people are just getting inundated by all these different live stream services that seem to have emerged overnight that they're just kind of like, okay, like, you know, do you, do we really need another? I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like to me the problem with like Instagram Live is that it just doesn't have like the minor facility tools to show. Like all the time when I'm watching lives, people are like, can I get the measurements for that? What are you auctioning? What size is it? Yeah. And it's like all of those things, if you just had an overlay on screen to describe that or or a, or a schedule list that somebody can see what you're going to be auctioning prior to, like, I feel like that stuff would drive, would would you, would get a, rid of a lot of the problems. 100% right. You're 100% right, but you're looking at the, the complete wrong company from which to introduce these types of very, like, user-centric, like, like, services right instagram facebook like you will never they they will be the last person to the last company to like hear somebody out and like introduce a feature (laughs) that i mean that like is is suited towards you like it's just 
it's just a pretty shitty run company, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're killing it. Like sure. so, you know, what does it matter, I guess, for them? Right, right. Um, pivoting a little bit, um, you go, you know, you guys are definitely in an interesting position because you're not just selling to resellers, but you're also selling to possible buyers. Like you guys are simultaneously have to market yourself to as a place where people can come and buy vintage as well as as a place to come and sell it. So is that kind of like a split personality thing when you guys go to look to market this stuff or is it kind Dude, of one it's, it's super challenging it's probably our biggest challenge as of right now you know we've been lucky enough to have made it a lot farther than a lot of other startups considering we've been completely bootstrapped from the very beginning um and now we have access to more capital not from our revenue but from outside sources who have you know who believe in what we're trying to do and we're in a position now where we have to say like, okay, what is our best strategy marketing wise on the digital advertisement side of things, especially to bring on masses of users that uh, folks that are just engaged and, you know, maybe soft enthusiasts, enthusiasts of vintage, you know, platforms like uh, Depop, platforms like uh, Poshmark and Etsy, They've got years ahead of us, and they've got billions of dollars more than us, and so um, they they have the luxury of time on their side. And one of the things that Drew and I have had to have like frank conversations with is saying like, "Hey, you know, so what if we've got like people that are paying for the service? If what does that matter if we're not giving them the best possible experience that they could ask for?" And so like that was why you, I think out of we've been live for four months. We've only charged folks for two and we're not looking to charge anybody for the very foreseeable future, at least until we have an app up and running. And at least until we have a real marketing strategy that we find is bringing those swaths of users that we really want. Mm -hmm. So it's a super, super challenging prospect. One of the things that I, you know, told our team prior to us launching this is I don't have marketing experience. And so it's not something that like, that, uh, you know, I, I could just kind of, flick a uh, you know switch and like bring a million buyers onto the platform for but uh but you know every day we're you know we're experiencing more traction on the buyer side of things every day and you know especially concerning the fact that we have more access to financial resources means that we could push forward those campaigns that we want to push forward to get to where we want to be for uh for our buyers and sellers alike right absolutely yeah i i, I wonder um so you know, obviously, the the community aspect of vintage has been important for many years now, and it feels as if a lot of a lot of people kind of move in these small units, and then as a larger unit in vintage, and so true, it can be kind of tough sometimes to break into those groups of people and kind of convince them, especially if you're like the new kid on the block with a new platform for them to use. and And one of the things that I think is kind of um, maybe and maybe you agree with this, but it feels like the main reason that somebody wouldn't hop on BidStitch would be because of the time that they might spend listing for it then to sit. Dude, you are, you're spot, spot on. So one of the, and I forgot to add, one of, one of the features that we're looking at building out is cross-platform integration for listings. It's very, very difficult from a development point of view, but it's on the, like, it's, in the top five initiatives that we have for our app. 
-hmm. We know that people can't be spending fucking like hours of their day listing. Like that's absurd. And like, we know that. And so we're looking at bringing on developers right now whose literal job will be towards ensuring that we have some type of cross-platform integration with regards to listings. Like it shouldn't be this hard. We also reached out to another service who, who actually does this and they essentially told us, oh, you're going to have to wait in a waiting list. We've got other companies that want to do the same thing and you're going to have to wait till Q2 of 2022. So, you know, that's just that's just how it goes. And uh, and yeah, it's a super good point. And we like, trust me, top five on my list of things that we need to build out on the development side of things is that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is the number one headache of vintage resellers everywhere is, is listing. So. Um, it's great to hear that you guys are addressing that. And I, I almost envy you guys a little bit because like I, I'm on, you know, Facebook, Instagram and all this stuff. And I always have there's always these little functions that just f- fucking piss me off that I, I'm yeah. like, I might just change them. And it's it must be awesome to be at least for, for on BidStitch to be like, oh, we can change this stuff like we can Dude, push it up it, the list. <laughs> it's a super like this. is You know, I don't want to like wax poetic, but it's honestly somewhat magical, like being able to to say like, hey, like we've identified this problem, our team's small enough and flexible enough to say like, okay, like now let's just work on it. You yeah. Know? So yeah. it's it's a it feels like a a position of privilege, honestly, and it's something that we don't take lightly at all. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I, I guess can you speak more to kind of specific things that you guys are looking to do to bring more sellers on? Uh, or I'm sorry, not more sellers, more buyers. All right. Yeah, um, we're good. <laughs> sellers, I, I you know like. We're, we're good. Sure. In terms of a value proposition for sellers, uh, the, 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 the value proposition speaks for itself. I mean, there's, there's right. tons of, you know, users that would just prefer to play a flat fee. It's those buyers. And so, you know, there's, there's two approaches that we're taking right now. So the digital advertising mm-hmm. side of things, I mean, we're going to be, if you're a buyer who's got any tangential relationship with vintage, you're going to be inundated with ads from us in the next month to three months, right? We're going to just pump it. Um, and then uh, just kind of like grassroots, organic, uh, you know, just being out there. Uh, we did Deadstock Depot uh, out in Canada a few weeks ago, which is fucking sick. Those guys are killer. Um, we're going to be doing Rose Bowl in January again, we've got some cool collaborations with a couple uh, folks who I think people are going to be really interested in. We would have done uh, an event this month, but we can't, and I can't go into the details as to why. But <laughs> urgh, I'm super <laughs> mad. Um, that's 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 so cool, and 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 I guess it's also fun. Like we we're working in this vintage space as well, just like you guys. And, and it's fun to work with people in vintage cause they, f- they're all, um, they're all very open to doing stuff. Like people are very creative in this space and they're very DIY in this space. So they know what it takes to get shit done and like are willing to work with you, you know? Dude, you're so right. Like it, it's just a testament to the, like the ability of, users within the community to just create like it's just it's honestly amazing seeing it like you would be so surprised how many people that we could just reach out to in a second and be like hey would you be open to doing like this and like we don't mind compensating folks for it but half the time they're just like no i would love to do it and i'd love to use your platform as like an avenue to sort of share whatever i'm working on right um 
you know, we've got like interviews with like tags and threads. We've got interviews with like folks like One Leg Vintage lined up uh, and some other really, really like cool things that we're working on. And it's just like, it's just super spectacular being able to see like these kids, like these young people that are just like so artistic and just like they're, they're like this perfect like mix between like being artistic and just like being a hustler. Yeah. Um, unseen vintage uh another one of those like just like she's like an absolute or unseen clothing i'm probably unseen unseen clothing yeah i love her yeah yeah just like a hustler to the core and and just like has so many great ideas like she was sending me little scraps that she was finding from old like cosmo magazines and like she's got such a good eye for you know what's aesthetically pleasing but she's also like that perfect mixture of just like personality and just entrepreneurialism yeah and i'm just like in awe because she's not like a a one-off case like there's tons and tons of people like that um and it's just cool being able to work with a lot of creators Mm -hmm. who are in the space to try to like give them a bigger platform for what they do yeah absolutely and and you know you talked about you know you said you didn't have very much marketing experience i don't think anybody in the space does very few people in the space do but that sometimes gets at the best ideas you know people try shit not knowing why it's supposed to fail and then they do it and it works you know what i mean they they don't get told it's wrong and then they try it and it works it and it's and like i'm not bashing on like collegiate degrees i am i am Um, they're worthless dude but there's something so gritty about someone that didn't go to school and just has like these ideas and i've noticed the best sources of creativity and inspiration from the kids that like just have like a high school like diploma and they're just kind of like doing their thing now yeah like i don't know what the correlation is between that but say i threw someone from my team on an issue that like where if, if it was a very like organized formal uh uh uh, like approach towards addressing a problem, mm-hmm. they've got it. But if it requires any like unconventional means of thinking, or if it requires like abstract thought, like they're not the best person for it, which is something kind of, I, it's just really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I started going down that rabbit <laughs> hole, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, getting on back on the subject of um, buyers for a moment, um, you know, it, it's it buyers I think are similar to viewers when you're when you're looking to put out content or put out a product um, a, a lot of it is getting in front of them number one like you just got to yeah. show it to them a whole bunch before they get it and figure it out um, but you also need to have a certain level of product quality or or level of expectation and I think that some of the things you talked about like the authentication and um, you know stuff like that can provide something that no other space can so like outside of the business model, outside of the care that you guys have for the community, is there something that you guys are looking to implement or looking to change that will get people to buy based off of bid stitch itself? Do you know what I mean? Something intrinsic. No, dude. Yeah. It's in, it's tough, especially when you're dealing with a multi-vendor marketplace, it's tough to sort of attach a brand to thousands of mini brands. right? Right. And it's like something that I literally go to sleep thinking about, like, how could I, how could we be, how could we interject ourselves within that relationship between that buyer and that vendor so that it kind of goes beyond 
just like purchasing an item sort of like on eBay and it goes more towards, Hey, I'm buying into an idea. Right. And, and it's, it's not, it's not easy, you know? So it's like, you know, we, we know a couple things for sure. We know that our users are much more sustainably minded, which we really try to tap, which we're trying to tap into just being able to tap into that ethos of users that are, are kind of sick of, the dead end that is purchasing clothing that you just throw away. Yeah. And we want our marketplace to reflect the cyclical nature of the clothing that's being exchanged. So what you're kind of asking is a little bit difficult because of how abstract it is. Like you're mm -hmm. kind of dealing with like, how could you attach an idea, a belief to a product being sold? And so that's one of the ways in which we're trying to approach it. Another way we're trying to like kind of hit on that space is by saying, you know, our buyers are much more interested than ever before in history in terms of who they're purchasing from and the story behind the items that they're purchasing. Absolutely. More so than ever, ever, ever. And so one of the things that like, that's why we're totally cool with people being kind of promoting the shit out of themselves on BidStitch. Like, yo, highlight your Instagram, like tell us like about yourself, like say how long you've been doing this, talk about your favorite things that you've ever found, like go into depth as to the item that you sourced and what it means to you. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we were exploring, and I don't know how comfortable I am with this because I hate algorithms, is the idea of tying description to a higher presence on platform for our app. Interesting. Um, because we want to promote the idea that every piece is a story. Every seller has something in which they're attaching to that item they're giving to the buyer. So it's one of the ideas that we're toying around with. Still not 100% as to whether I want to do it or not, right. but it we're open to it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I got a, I got a lot of ideas to go off from that, but it, it reminds me of what Bobby Hundreds did with the Hundreds early when they had their blog. Like, he didn't realize how many people were watching him talk about fashion news news of the day, mm -hmm. and that transitioned directly into the success of his brand. You know what I mean? Like, people were coming to hear the stories about the time and like, eventually what they were making as well. But like, I think also what you're saying is is surrounding the big, 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 big topic of vintage is community or not community is the yeah. big thing. I mean, there are people on one side who are like, you guys are crazy. You guys just like the same stuff. That's not a community. Get out of here. And then there's people <laughs> who are diehard, like, you know, I'm only in it for the community. Like, fuck the shirts, fuck the Dude, money. You're fuck so it. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think what we're talking about is that thing. Like, um, how do you interject and how do you, how do you bring everybody together under one roof in a way? Like, I, that's a very difficult, very difficult it's abstract it's thing. Super, super challenging, dude. I mean, you know just as well as I do how not polarizing, but like people exist on different fronts in the space. Right. Um, you know, you've got like, you know, the cartoon kids, you've got the old heads, yeah. you've got the rap to you guys, you've got the true vintage. And it's like a very eclectic group. And so people like to use that as an argument for why there isn't, this isn't really a community. Mm -hmm. But I argue kind of the contrary, that these different faces, the different sides of this space reflect like sort of a bigger ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we, 
our hope is that we could provide the best product offering possible to sort of bring these users, no matter how diverse, no matter where they stand on, on certain issues onto our platform. We, you know, that's sort of why we're kind of breaking away from the transaction model. Uh, because we feel like a transactional model sort of promotes transactions rather than experience. Mm-hmm. And an experience is really key to building a community, I think. Right. You know, there is no eBay community, uh, for example. Like, we want this to be like a space where the vintage community more so than everyone feels like they've got a page that they could go to to just see cool shit, read cool shit, and talk to cool people. So, right. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked this, talked about this, um, I believe, on last episode with Lucas. Um, we were talking about how, you know, re- people who are buyers often find their vintage guy, their their dealer, for lack of a better term, and they stick by that person. But the reason that they do that sticking by them is because they didn't just have a couple transactions with them, but they had a good user experience with them, and they probably exchanged some sort of common interest or common background or something like that that got them to feel familial with this person who they're buying clothes from on the internet you know yeah dude yeah you're so right i mean half of that transactional experience i feel like is really just about who you're buying from and like being able to be like he's a cool like you hear it all the time like oh he's a super cool dude like he's a guy that like i'm totally cool with just like shooting the shit with for a few minutes like seeing what they have and like you're really not just buying into the clothing, you're buying into like that mini brand, you're buying into the person, you're buying into their story. Right. And so that's something that we're trying to tap into. Um, and it's something that we're looking at like really trying to optimize as we move forward. We like to think that like we were just, you know, at launch, we were, it, it would be what would be referred to as an MVP, you know, a minimum viable product. And we're kind of getting into that latter MVP stage now and eventually breaking out of that and offering like an actual core product offering to our users that sort of reels together all these different components that we're chatting about right now. Can I turn my light on? Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, dude. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think, I mean, this is all great to hear, I think from, for people who, who might not know, I think, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the launch of of BitStitch, and and I want to kind of hear your, um, you know, uh, hindsight opinions on how it launched and stuff like that. I think from the outside, from an outsider perspective and people who I've talked to, um, one of the reasons I wanted to start the show with what is BitStitch, who is BitStitch, is like, I feel like there was a little bit of a disconnect of who you guys were and what was going on initially. Um, Mm -hmm. That kind of... um, I think might have lost you some traction immediately with people where it was like, like one of the things is you guys all had founder in your, in your bio. And I made the mistake of not calling you the founder, um, as one of the founders, but it's cause a lot of people had founder in their bio and that confused a lot of people because that word is usually used in a, you know, individualized way. No, no, totally, totally. Super fair point. I mean, you know, you're right. Hindsight's twenty twenty on things. Um, you know, like like I said, I'm glad that we had these conversations because it allows me to be a little more reflective as to like our launch and as to kind of where we're headed. But I think if we, you know, I don't know if we should have gone about the promotional process like we did considering the fact that we just launched an MVP, right? A minimum viable product. I, you know, 
it was great to like get you know attention but also it did turn some folks off i remember i recall getting emails and dms from folks being like 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 what's going on here like not feeling comfortable with it almost like Mm -hmm. like they didn't like there was something that was untrustworthy about the process right despite the you know like i almost wanted to promote the fact that hey like this is self-financed like literally everyone involved in the project is a vintage dealer right our team is jesus thrifts slater thrifts um drew heifetz thrift and tarantino yeah um like it is just like it's it's the most organic possible means of growing in the space that we could have done you know we said no to opportunities very early on because we wanted to keep it authentic as possible and and, and what's, what's weird is I, I thought that like that was getting across but what we found in reality was like it's actually not like it was kind of backfiring a little bit like like folks thought of it as some sort of foreign body that was entering into this sacred space that they had <laughs> right right and so it's a, uh, you know, there's just there's a ton of learning experience involved, and in, in like we found that you know, by being more upfront as to how early on we are as a company, people were generally more receptive towards that that honesty side of things. Right. We, you know, rather than coming in and saying like, hey, you know, we're the new Depop hmm. or we're the new Grailed, like we're three months, four months into our launch, right? Like right. we don't have the years, we don't have the mileage that these guys have. And so I think, but you know, it's surprising like folks are much more receptive towards that within the space being like, yeah, you guys are young and I'm gonna stick it out with you guys because mm-hmm. I believe in what you guys are doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know, it's it's tough, it's tough, dude. No, I think that's a super honest answer because like, you know, I don't, I don't know Drew at all, but I've certainly followed him for a while and like I've, heard him talk about a lot of things and drew has always been the most upstanding awesome guy and awesome spokesman for vintage in my opinion and yeah, so when people yeah. were saying stuff like that about bitsitch i was like well if drew's involved it's probably all on the up and up like you know what i yeah. mean like it you're right it feels like there should have been those cosigns of like well it's probably cool but i think you are right i think there was a little bit of a disconnect of the grassrootsness of it all and it might just be it might just be like the immediate introduction of the name you know what i mean I right seeing yeah. bid stitch it's like bid stitch is right it's, it feels like this foreign entity um that <laughs> that didn't exist yesterday but exists today and it's like it's like what is Dude, this you're but right. you're right i mean you're, you're but it shouldn't right. be like, it shouldn't be like that you know and it's just it's and it's it's okay like that's a natural response towards i hate making these like bacteria analogies but like that's <laughs> a natural response for your body to like react to something entering entering into you you know yeah like you're immediately like, yo, what is going on over here? Like, right. and what, not only what is going on, but I tried to make this as all encompassing and all inclusive as possible. And I was surprised as to how many people thought like I wasn't like, I'm saying I, like I'm in their shoes. Like I was an outsider. Right. Um, and like, I didn't feel like I was a part of things. And I think that's attributable towards the fact that, you know, we, we, we built up with a little too much gusto at our initial launch. And that's not a bad thing. That's that's right. cool. But I could totally understand why some users would be like would feel and have some sort of hesitation about, you know, this new product launching. And that's sure. You know, I don't blame them at all. Like that's that's how it works. That, you know, and it's it was our first time doing this. 
and it was a learning experience for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you guys were you, you guys definitely disrupted. You, de- you definitely came in and like left a, <laughs> left a mark. And I think that that uh, I mean, a lot of people hope to be that. You know what I mean? In, in some ways, I hope that this show has some sort of disruptive ability within within people talking about vintage in a little different way than is always has a price tag attached kind of way. You know? Yeah. Um, no, totally. So I think you guys are. You guys are doing a really good job. I thank mean, you. You know, I I didn't see you guys one day and then I saw you and I reached out immediately. I'm like, yo, I like what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, I'm very happy with how everything is going. And, and I think, I think, I think what you guys are doing is really good. And, and obviously like part of the reason I wanted to have this podcast was to kind of color my own opinion of like what I thought about Bitstitch. Cause I, I like to talk about I like to talk to people about vintage. That's probably one of my favorite things to do. And I like to hear what <laughs> I would hear hear what people say about it and hear what people are saying at large about what's going on in the space, whether that be, you know, center swoosh hoodies or or what bit stitches got going on or what, you know, meme just bubbled up the day before. Like that stuff's really <laughs> interesting to me. And so um, you know, in a way I'm trying to do that on this podcast as well, to have people on who kind of can offer a conversation that's a little more real and a little more like actually, you know, getting down to the, to the, to the details, you know, about stuff. Um, yeah. So I lost you for like five seconds just now, but <laughs> I, I got your point. I got your point. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I, I want to shift to kind of talking about the future with BitStitch. Yeah. So you guys have an app coming out in the next few months. I'm going to put it at four. Okay. But the way that development the development process works is, is shit happens every single day. Yeah. Expect it's like Murphy's law. Just expect <laughs> everything to go bad. Um so can you can you kind of talk about the importance of an app? I mean, I know people know what apps are certainly, but what does that mean for a selling platform? Like what is what is I can't I've been looking forward to this question. I have to answer <laughs> this question a lot. Um <laughs> because people don't get it. I didn't realize how old I was. I did not realize how old I was. How old are you, dude? 22. 22? Yeah. Okay. I thought that folks within the space, and Drew, and Drew's super old too, so he didn't get it either. I'm blaming him as well. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't realize that users within the space wouldn't be cool with a, just like a, 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 a desktop version that you mm. could access on your phone. We, d- we had no, like, and it goes to the fact that, like, yo, like, we're young, but, like, fuck, like, in, in tech years, we're old. Right. And at least half of our subscriber uh, 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 drop-offs have been a result of us just not having an app. Hmm. And I'll tell you why that's so important. And this was a learning experience for me. I, you know, I, I found this out in the last, like, couple of months. When you're dealing with a multi-vendor, plat- uh, a multi-vendor marketplace, that experience is so intertwined with the idea that you will get notifications the second something happens. Whether it's you being outbid on a product, whether it's you having the highest bid on a product, whether it's you counter offering somebody, whether it's someone accepting your offer, whether it's an item sold. The, 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 uh, the experience that you have with a platform is completely tied to the idea that you get up to the date information. Mm. And we thought, okay, cool. We'll have like a notification system in place and you'll get emails that are sent to you as soon as something happens. Yeah. And I overestimated the reach of that notification system and that email system. It wasn't good enough. 
And so we've, it's, it's difficult explaining this to like someone that's older, someone that, you know, maybe is interested in backing us and then being like, you don't need an app. We 100% need an app. It's vital towards us growing as a platform. It's vital towards us being able to serve our users. So the app is the next progression of BitStitch. And to be honest with you, I consider it like a, almost like a relaunch. Uh, you know, we have the backing now to be able to break beyond the barriers of a MVP and look more towards the direction of having a core, core product with our buyers, with our sellers and with service offerings that optimize the experience for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's as, as you explain it, that's clear as day to me now. I mean, you know, how many people in the vintage retail resale space are taking pictures primarily with their phone of their products? Dude. Uh, uh, 90% of them, maybe more, you know? And so 99. putting it on desktop, you know, creates one more step. We talked about it's, like... It's that friction. Yeah, the it's little bit of friction. Like now, you know, like I know my dad, he lists through the eBay app on his phone. Like that's what he, that's yep. how he does it. So like just that enough and and what you're saying about notifications i mean like that's what you know and and i'm the kind of person that i i disable notifications on like everything because like i i want to do what i want to do and i don't want to be bothered by anybody you know but (laughs) but you know when something important's happened i make sure to put on that notification so that i can get up to up to the second uh reports about that thing and um you're 100 right like just it's like um it's like online marketing, but you're already in somebody's phone. You know, you can Dude, keep putting yeah. shit in front of them without them even having to do anything. That's that's it. Like, it's just, it's, you know, we've all had a crash course in just like the sort of technical underpinnings of society. And it's all about just decreasing that tension between user and experience. You know, whether it's, uh, whether it's Apple uh, you know, introducing uh, AirPods that you literally wear in your ear 24-7 just to limit even the even having to take your phone out of your pocket and click yeah. the green button, right? It's all these little things that matter so much. And it was just a product of me being out of touch with young people today. And, you know, I thought, hey, like, I'm, I'm a young guy. Like, no, I'm, I'm old as shit. And I, need to, <laughs> I needed to know this. And it was, it, was a, it was a rude awakening for me to, like, have to be like, damn, like that was that that was I think a miscalculation on our side. If I would have done, you know, if I would have tr- spoke with more folks early on about this, I probably would have gone down the app direction first. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean that that you definitely got to give yourself some slack though, because like spending spending your time trying to be in somebody else's mind about what they want, or even just being out there canvassing and talking to people is hard. You got to really talk to a lot of people and you got to get a lot of opinions in order for those opinions to kind of crystallize into something you can actually use. Cause yes. if you talk to one person, they'll send you in a direction that might be completely wrong, you know, but you talk to 20 of them and you'll get pretty good directions about where you're supposed to be going. You're right, dude. I mean, I, I yeah, 
Appreciate you cutting me some slack. <laughs> yeah. I still can't sleep at night. Well, I, I think about that shit too, about like, well, how do I get this podcast in front of people? Like, I only got so many followers. I only got so many posts I can put up and places I can put it. Like, what is the next, you know, way to find more people to listen to this stuff? You know? It's, yeah, you probably need virality. Yeah, I yeah. probably need to say something horrible and it would be so good for you. <laughs> I'm going to try not to, but if I do, just like cut me a check. Okay? Sean will cut your words together to make it sound like you said something <laughs> terrible, and we'll put that out. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's it's an interesting juggling act. So kind of getting on that on that side of things, you guys have been putting out content and you do have a YouTube page. You do have a lot of stuff on Instagram and you often get other people who are creators in the space to post on there. What place does content have in, in Bidstitch's growth and existence? Content is king. I am the biggest proponent of content whatsoever. I, I guarantee you, I don't know how many people are listening but probably a quarter of them have received a DM from me just saying, hey, I like what you're doing with X. Yeah. Or I like that you're doing this. Like, we should just talk about it. I, I'm i a firm believer in content being the absolute premium source of, of connecting people, of just providing users with a little bit of respite from their everyday lives, trials, and tribulations. Um, like, I am just... I'm all, if I could do like, like if I could make Bidstitch just strictly content, I honestly would, but we, we, we'd be broke pretty quick. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, but yeah, like I think content's key towards our growth. Like we're working with a lot of different creators who I can't say names with right now to integrate them more so uh, on like a recurring basis as part of our team. Right. Um, but but you, you, dude, you've got so many users. That guy that you that you reached out to last week, like I'm watching his videos all the time now. Yeah. What, what Lucas, right? Lucas, Retro Original Co. Yep. Yeah. Killing it. Most most energetic um, man in in live auctioning. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you've got like guys like you. We have. I mean, we've got Chris doing his thing. We've got Future Past. Like like you know, we had we had uh, June Thrifts for a little bit. Um. Uh. And like, there's just so, so much creativity within the space. And there's so much content that I feel deserves a bigger platform that I know that once we are at that point a few months from now, once we're down that app route, we are going to be triple downing on content more so because it's a personal passion for me. I just love, I love seeing different creators. And I think that there needs to be a home for all the vintage creators that are out there right now. Um, there's so many people that I'm not aware of. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that go under the radar and that are smart as shit. And it's a shame that only like a super small percentage of those people get the eyeballs and ears of the rest of the world. Right. Like I'm all, I am really, really trying my absolute hardest to ensure that we have constant content creation from users within the vintage space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that might even go back to, to your point earlier about like, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like posturing about like, oh, is this person a real reseller? Have they put the, put the hours in and stuff just because they're flying under the radar? You know what I mean? Dude. Just cause you haven't yeah. heard the name yet, but like there are so many people doing this for so long and like there isn't a nice baseball card that you can see like, oh, this guy's, this guy's been selling since 2012 and he has this many like 
you know, thousand dollar auctions or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's not this yeah. nice database where you can like like check people, but like ultimately what I found is a lot of the guys and girls have a lot of the same energy as each other in that they're hustlers, they're creative, and they're willing to get down with whatever you got going on. You know? Yeah. Um No no dude, you're 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 so right. Like I I wish I had more time to be able to put towards getting all these content creators and like providing them that larger platform. I hope that like I'm more flexible with my time in the future so that I could really work on that. I remember when I was like in high school and all these video gamer YouTube guys were starting to pop off um, and thinking to myself like, dude, this is so cool and I need to only go to one channel and like view all these cool dudes. I think we need something really similar in the vintage space. And I hope that we could provide that in the coming months. Yeah, absolutely. That would be amazing. Um, that's definitely part of our mission at what we do to just give people a platform to come talk about. Because I understand that, like, look, of course I know more than anybody else how difficult it is to put up a podcast with, like, a couple hundred bucks and, like, a tiny little room. You know what I mean? Like, That's crazy. It's a lot of work to do it and to do it every week and to be disciplined with it. But, like, if that gives the opportunity for somebody to not do that work and have the benefit... I, that's why I would do the work for them. Do you know what I mean? Dude. Like I'd rather, yeah. I, I want to now offer up the ability to like, like we were talking about a little bit before we went on, like we're pretty much press play here. Like me and Sean set it up like 30 minutes and we're good to go. Let's go. Like if I can give that to as many people as possible in this space and like them give back to me with their audience and their stories and their pieces and their just personality in person, like that's what it's all about for the show. Um, for me at least. No, that, that yeah, that's kick ass. I mean, I think, I think, I think you'd be surprised as to like, or maybe you wouldn't, but I think you'd be surprised as to how many people like share in that viewpoint within the space. Yeah, there's a lot of people that will just like hate and talk shit, but I think it's a super vocal, super small minority. Yeah, for the most part, like people genuinely, I think, want to help each other. Yeah, people genuinely want to see other people succeed and do well, and you know, I think that, uh, I think that it's kind of aligned with our goals as a platform to sort of be that source where we could give that voice. We could allow people to hear what, you know, that their fellow vintage dealer or hear what their fellow vintage enthusiast has to say or uh, create about a certain thing. Yeah. Um, I think even to speak to that, to that vocal minority of people who, who are negative, I've talked to those people too. And that I think what you'll find is, even if they have vocal opinions that might not be what yours are, still at the heart of it, they're live and let live people who yeah. really they'll they'll talk shit on you and they'll 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 start a flame war in your in your comments or your DMs. But at the end of the day, they're like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna go do my thing. You can do your thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, it's it's luckily like I don't care. But, sure, like, there's there's definitely people within the space that like take you know take what other people have to say really seriously and right. like it gets them, you know? And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but like, sure. yeah, I mean, people could say whatever they want to say. It's, and it's not like, you know, and like I said, it just goes to the fact that it's a really vocal minority of people, whether they're talking, you know, shit about bid stitch or whether they're talking about, you know, some big vintage dealer right. or whether they're talking about reprints or whatever it is, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, but at the end of the day, it's all cool. Like, you know, I think everyone's kind of generally on the same page about 
what we're doing. Right, for sure. All right, well, this has been awesome. We're already at an hour. Um, no way. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> Dude, wow. Wait, did that feel fast for you as well? Oh, absolutely. Me? But I, I go into a one-hour time vortex every week, and then <laughs> and then I come out the other side really, really hyper. So <laughs> that's usually how this, this show goes for me. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming and sharing all this all this information about BitStitch and what we're trying to do here. Um, you're trying Dude, to do here, and we are. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a pleasure uh, speaking to you. It was really, really... Uh, it was really fun being able to talk about sort of what we're doing, what we've done, and what we're looking to do. Um, hopefully, you're going to have the cooler version of me, Drew, <laughs> next time. Um, but I really appreciate it. I appreciate your audience, and I think it's cool what you guys are doing, and I'm looking forward to growing together with you guys. Awesome. Um, so thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, season two is a wrap. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome trip. Um I just want to give you guys some information about what we're doing. So what we do is going to take a hiatus, but we're not going to leave you guys without anything next um, next week, if you're watching this on the, uh, the re-release. We're going to have a new vintage show, standalone thing, not a podcast, standalone YouTube video that I think you guys are going to absolutely love. And we're going to have two more of those. So three in the month of December um, of new shows, each different ideas, each different avenues of vintage related uh, creative coolness. So after that, in in January, we'll be coming back with what we do season three. And I already have amazing stuff lined up, amazing guests. If you want to be on the show, reach out to us. Or if you have an idea of somebody who should be on the show, also reach out to us because not all the spots are finalized yet, but we got some really good names on the short list. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but that's it. London, thank you again for being on. Um, Sean, Thanks, guys. thank for, for your work. Everybody, please like, thank subscribe. You, yeah, thank you, Sean. Like, subscribe, and ring that bell uh, so you get notifications when we go live next. And make sure you follow Found Creative and uh, Found Online on Instagram to uh, stay up to date with us. But thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.